So tonight, early in the week, it was very clear what I needed to minister on this evening. And um, so it's going to be a, a good night, praise God. And uh, <clears throat> this is one of those topics that has to be ministered every few years. Because it's one of the things that I've seen hurt so many in the church. In the world, it hurts many. But it even hurts some in the church. And I believe that God wants to heal so many from rejection. The interesting thing about rejection is it's one of those things that has an ability to hide itself. And, you know, the, the thing about rejection is that it's one of those things that can often be the root cause for a lot of pain and hurt in somebody's life. So later on, what happens is there's all kinds of struggles that individuals go through. Those struggles will not manifest as rejection. Rejection's the root of the problem, but the branches of the tree are things like addiction, anger, different things that manifest where the issue really is rejection. Rejection is not always that bad. What I mean by that is sometimes in your journey with God, you will suffer rejection, but it won't be that bad. It won't affect you that much. Now, what's interesting is that sometimes something that may seem insignificant to you can cause an incredible amount of harm in the life of somebody else through a form of rejection. I remember going to a youth camp when I was very young, and Pastor Harold actually came to minister at the youth camp back then, and he came and ministered, and he did deliverance on a young lady that they gave her a name, and the name was basically a derogatory name. It was not a very nice name. It basically was like kind of like worthless, but it was, it was like a, a slang type word. It was an Afrikaans, so I can't tell it to you. You won't know what it means. But it was a fun name, but it kind of meant worthless. And when he did the deliverance, he had to cast that spirit out, that name, out of her. And she was set free. Everybody else thought it was a joke. But to her, it caused severe rejection to enter into her heart. And so rejection can be very painful for many people. Now, what is rejection? What, what does it really mean? What does rejection really look like? I think the greatest way to describe rejection is to look at the opposite of, direct, of, of rejection, not direction, rejection. So what would the opposite be? The opposite of rejection would be acceptance. It would mean to be accepted or, and this will make sense to a lot of people, to be wanted. So the opposite of these things would be to be rejected. So you're wanted or you're accepted that's what, it, what, what, what the opposite of rejection means. Many people feel not wanted, feel not accepted in some or other way, and feel rejected. Now, not being accepted, not being wanted can be very hurtful, but rejection does come in many different forms. People get rejected by their parents in many different ways. Sometimes it's extreme where their parents don't want them. That's heavy rejection. But sometimes a parent will reject a child in a way that is 
hurtful, but not that intense. In other words, maybe they reject them for something that they want to do, or they, re, they, they don't love them as much as other children, or whatever it might be. There's a form of rejection that can come. So rejection is not always exactly the same in every situation. Some people are rejected by just family members. I've dealt with people that have felt extreme rejection by brothers or sisters, even uncles and aunts, just distant family perhaps. One thing I've seen with young people over the years, and especially because I was a youth leader for many, many years, was young people suffer with great rejection sometimes when they have relationships, boyfriend and girlfriend. That's why young people should be very cautious not to get too physical, because when they get very physical, they get very attached, and the rejection that can come from a breakup can be very, very harmful. I've seen this over and over and over and over. God doesn't set things up to spoil our fun. He sets things up to protect us because the enemy's been around a long time and he is, you know, he sets a trap for us and he, in his traps, he's looking to do certain things. He's looking to bring rejection. He's looking to bring bitterness. He's looking to bring certain things that will cause you to be in a situation where it actually affects you so, so strongly. Now, I know as I'm speaking already, because I can actually see it, that some of you are thinking about the rejections that you've experienced. And I want you to know something, that you're in very good company when it comes to this subject. People have obviously also experienced rejection when it comes to their spouses. You know, many people have been married for a long time. All of a sudden, the wife comes to them and says, listen, I don't love you anymore. That's very heavy rejection. You know, and, and it can be extremely painful. And I've seen how people struggle with identity and things like that many, many times because of situations like that. Young people especially will suffer a lot with being rejected by friends. You know, not accepted in a group. You know, unfortunately, many times young people have this really bad tendency to become clicky. It's one of the most terrible things you can do because when you form a click, what you're basically doing is you're saying nobody else is good enough to be in this group. You make your click exclusive, and it brings a lot of harm to those that you haven't included in your group. If you're going to do something as a group, invite everybody, or don't do it as a group. Do you understand what I'm saying? Young people, be very cautious, and I really want to encourage our youth, you know, really work on that, guys, because you may not realize how much pain you've inflicted in unintentionally, you know, on others. So be cautious, be vigilant of that. Many people are rejected when they find something that they enjoy, sport or the arts or even school. You know, they can feel rejected because they get measured up by somebody else. If you're gonna play sport, you must understand you're gonna get measured. And when you're not chosen, it can hurt. That can bring a form of rejection. Now again, I'm just giving you a few examples. Is that okay? A practical example for an adult would be rejected in your job. You're highly qualified, you're highly skilled, you know you're better than everybody else that's gone for the interview, but you don't get it. You reject it. Then you go for another job interview, and you reject it again. Then you go for another job interview, and you reject it again. All of a sudden, your confidence and your boldness and your abilities, your talents, what you studied, whatever it might be, becomes less and less and less, and that rejection can actually bring pain, hurt, and ultimately even bring you to a point of self-rejection, which I truly believe is the most dangerous. Self-rejection often leads to suicide. And by the way, for some reason, 
we really need to go after that right now. Because there's just been a lot of that. And, you know, it's because people become hopeless. Whereas the God that we serve is a God of hope. So never get to that. Never allow yourself to get to that place where it becomes so bad that you feel completely hopeless. There is always hope in Christ. God has gone to those that are in the bottom of the pit and raised them out of it. Many, many times throughout Scripture. Many of the greatest characters in Scripture were rejected. One of them had to be rejected for you, and that's Jesus. The interesting thing about Jesus' rejection is that a lot of us don't realize the extent of the rejection he had to experience so that there could be an exchange at the cross so that you could be accepted. You must understand that the price that Jesus paid, there's an exchange that causes us to be accepted when we give our lives to Jesus. It's because of the rejection that he paid that we get accepted. We become part of the team. You become one of the good ones. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root of dry ground, out of dry ground. He has no, he has no form of comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Jesus was rejected by men so that you could be accepted. We'll talk a little bit more about his rejection right at the end. Throughout Scripture, there are several characters that we see get rejected in a very intense way where it actually causes them to really end up in a bad situation. And, and the truth is they didn't deserve that rejection, but it came. Most of you know the story of Joseph. Joseph experienced great rejection when all he did was have a dream. But because of jealousy, he was rejected. His brothers wanted him dead. Genesis 37, 20 says, Come therefore, this is his brothers, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. Jealousy. Joseph was cast into a pit. We know the story. He was sold then into slavery. Ends up in Potiphar's house. Things are going really well for a little while. But I want you to just stop for a moment before we discuss the next thing that happens. Imagine the pain of that rejection. Your own brothers want you dead because they're so jealous of you. The rejection, the pain, the hurt must have been so intense. He's finally in Potiphar's house, finally doing well. But Potiphar's wife, unfortunately, kind of took a liking to him and tried to seduce him and ended up lying about him and he ends up going to prison. Genesis 39 verse 20, then Potiphar's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. So imagine you get rejected by your brothers. 
Now you finally find some peace, your job, everything is going well, things are getting better, you've got a good position, you're highly esteemed, and all of a sudden, somebody falsely accuses you, and now you get rejected again. So he understood the pain of rejection. Can you imagine, guys? What's amazing about Joseph is that Joseph ends up being used so powerfully by God, even though he experiences such great rejection. And the primary reason, I believe, why he ends up making it so strong in the end is because he holds on to God with all of his heart, even in the midst of that rejection. He doesn't start blaming God. He doesn't start rejecting God. Yes, I'm sure he cries out to the Lord, but he stays firm and he ends up becoming the second highest or the first highest after Pharaoh in the entire land when he gets released from prison. You see, the thing is, is that oftentimes the enemy will do everything he can to bring rejection against you so that you don't get that high calling. But you must recognize that if the enemy so desperately wants you to feel that rejection so that he can keep you from getting anywhere, there must be something about you. Rejected by family, rejected by his employer. There are many, many like that. I think what most people don't recognize is that David probably experienced more rejection than most in scripture. We know that King Saul was not doing too well and God sent Samuel to anoint the new king. Let's read about it. 1 Samuel 16, verse number five. It says, so Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So he's gone to, to David's father's house and he wants all the sons to be brought because God has told him to go to the house of Jesse because he's gonna anoint the next king of Israel there. So he says, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rites for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too when they arrived. Now you must understand, he arrives in town, he says, listen, bring your sons, the Lord has something special, there's a special purification ritual that must take place before this takes place. This is big time right now. This is big time. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge by his appearance. Sorry, hang on, let's go back to verse six. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, whoa, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and look in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. So next, Jesse summons Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, listen to this, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Now watch his response. There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he is in the fields watching the sheep and goats. You don't want him. He's the least. He's, you know, he's the black sheep of the family. You know, 
when you said bring all the sons, I was pretty sure not that one. So there's no question, we don't know what happened in David's life with his father, but if you don't get invited to this party, all seven brothers are presented, that's not really that great. And so we know the rest of the story. He ends up coming and David's the one who ends up getting anointed as king. Now it's going great. David's been chosen. Hallelujah. His father's rejection, you know, didn't matter because now God has chosen him. So David's all excited to go and fight the battle against, or go and visit his brothers rather. And he gets all excited when he sees the armies against the Philistines and believes that God's hand is on the children of Israel and why they're doing nothing about it. He gets a little bold, a little excited. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? This is talking about Goliath. David wants to know, listen, what's the reward for the person who kills the Philistine? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he shall defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for this man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard him. So now listen, his brother, now hears David talking. He heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You're not good enough to be here. You should go back to your sheep. Rejected by his brothers. Rejected by his father. Are you with me? Things are not always looking so great for David. We think David was just all great and wonderful, but he felt rejected. David ends up having a mighty group of men. He ends up going, and when David ends up going, what ends up happening is, is um, what ends up happening is David is at Ziklag. He comes back from war. When he comes back from war, the whole place has been destroyed. The wives and children have been taken away. And David's faithful men that love him, watch what happens. First Samuel 30 verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahoinam and, 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 Jez, and Jezrelitus, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the, the, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. They wanted to kill him. His faithful men wanted to kill him. Because the soul of all the people was so grieved, every man for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. So you must understand again, now David's rejected by his own faithful men to the point where they actually want to kill him. You must understand. Don't think for a minute, oh, it's just a quick thing. They wanted to kill him. His faithful men wanted to kill him. Rejected again. All those are bad. He's rejected by his father. He's rejected by his brother. He's rejected by his best friends. But then something happens that's really interesting. We know that David calls for the ark. 
The ark is coming back to Jerusalem. And something terrible happens. Let's read it. First Chronicles 13, verse number 7. Are you guys okay? Don't worry, I'm going to get somewhere, and you'll hopefully shout a little bit later. <laughs> so they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah, the, the Ohio, drove the cart. Then David and, the, and, and all Israel played music before God with all their might, with singing on harps and stringed instruments, tambourines, cymbals, and with trumpets. And when they came to Chidon's threshing for Uzzah put, his, put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand on the ark, and he died before, there before God. Now watch. Then David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. You must understand, David's all excited. He thinks he's doing the right thing. They're playing instruments, they're dancing, they're having a wonderful time. All of a sudden, someone stretches out. Now, you're the leader. Someone stretches out, touches the ark, one of your faithful guys, and he dies. David gets upset. David becomes terribly morbid. David goes into mourning. He's not happy. He's upset. He's upset with God. He, 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 you know, he, he's having a bad time at the moment. What he wanted so desperately was, was for the ark to come to Jerusalem. You know, there's a strong possibility that at this moment, he's so concerned that maybe God's even rejecting him. Why did this happen, Lord? How could you allow this to happen? I'm the leader. They're looking at me. But you allowed this man to be killed, Lord. Why did you do this to me? He becomes angry. Are you with me? And the ark goes to Obed-Edom's house. And the Bible tells us that while the ark is at Obed-Edom's house, that it goes really well with him. And David becomes more and more inquisitive about what's taking place very distressed about what took place, but desperately wants the blessing of the Lord, wants the Lord's presence, wants to please the Lord. This is David. But understand that the whole of David's life up until this point has been filled with many different types of rejection. The king rejected him. He was rejected by many guys. David was rejected by his brothers, by his father, by Saul. He was rejected by his own men. Now he feels like even God has disappointed him or let him down. Are you with me? Doesn't make him right, but that's what he feels. Now watch what happens. You see, there's something that David understands that is so powerful. Let's go to 2 Samuel 6, verse number 12. What do you do when you might have had some successes, but you're still feeling the pain of rejection in your heart? How can you get yourself out of it? You see, let's just read it. Second <laughs> Samuel 6, 12. Now, it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because the ark of God, because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God 
from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Now watch. And then David danced before the Lord with all his might. Listen, when David dances here, this is not a... The ark is coming in. The presence of God is coming in. This is his shot once again. How's he going to handle the situation? He's experienced a lot of rejection. He's experienced a lot of disappointment. But the ark comes in, and while the ark's coming in, and things seem to be going well, he begins to dance. And the Bible says he dances with all of his might. Has anybody in this room ever been through some stuff and you get to the point where you're before God and all you can do is dance with all your might? What happens when you do that? So David begins to dance with all his might and the Bible says that he, he, he does something. Let's, let's read what happens. Let's read what happens. So the Bible says he dances with all his might and David wearing a linen effort. He was wearing a linen effort. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark with shouting and with a trumpet. Wait, let's go back, sorry. Okay, well, basically what happens is David is dancing, and we know the story. David ends up dancing his whole ephod completely off. He ends up being standing before the Lord, and he's, he's being accused of being naked. He actually just had an undergarment on. So don't worry, he wasn't actually completely naked. But he's danced himself out of his main robes. He's completely indecent, actually. He's dancing with all of his might. He's dancing before God with everything inside of him. And this is what's happening. And in this moment, I think David was at that point where, listen, everything that had happened to him, he was just, he just completely laid it down and he was focusing on God with everything. He, the, the last time something went wrong, but this time the ark was behind him and he wasn't going to think about it. He wasn't going to think about the, the disappointments. He wasn't going to think about the failures. He wasn't going to think about the rejections. He just danced with all his might to the point where even his garments come off and he's dancing and he's praising God and he's shouting and the instruments are going and his wife sees him and she's not too impressed. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But that's very interesting because there's a little psalm that's written that I believe is very possibly because of this experience. Many of the, many of the, of the scholars will tell us that, that there's a very strong possibility that when David finally basically consecrates and dedicates the tabernacle or, or, the, or in the wilderness, that there's a strong possibility. There's a strong possibility, not in the wilderness, but the, the tabernacle of David, when he, when he does this, what, what basically happens is he shares something here. That's extremely powerful. Now watch. Psalm 30. Let's go there, verse 1 to 10. The description of the psalm is a psalm, a song at the dedication of the house of David. And again, there's a debate about this. But take a look at what he writes. Look at his heart. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. You must understand, when David shares the psalm, there's a strong possibility that he's sharing all his experience, all the things that have happened, the pains, the hurts. Who knows? We don't know the exact extent. He says this, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. 
Oh Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. Think about the anger. There was a bit of anger there perhaps. You know, when Uzzah touched the ark, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood? When I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. Now watch. You have turned me. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and, and clothed me with gladness to the end that, may, that my glory may sing praises to you and not be silent. O oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Listen. David understood what it was like to be in mourning. David understood what it was like to feel pain. And he decided that he was going to dance with God with all of his heart. His mourning was turned into dancing. He made a decision to praise, to shout, to clap, to dance, to even get to a point where he even took off some of his clothes. He wasn't going to allow the pain, the hurt, or anything to, to affect him. His mourning, his mourning was turned into dancing. Are you with me, guys? Now watch this. Even after all of this, now the psalm is written, we don't know for sure exactly when, but many believe that it was at the dedication of the temple. Now watch, or David's house. Now watch this. When the ark comes in and David begins to dance, something happens. Let's go to... 2 Samuel 6, verse 16. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Now watch, let's go to verse 20. 2 Samuel 6, verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. Now watch. And I will be even more undignified than this and will be humbled in my own sight. But as for the maid, let's just stop there. I want you to see something. David says when she comes to him and she says to him, listen, how could you do that? Basically, what is she doing? She's rejecting him again. And what does he say? He says, listen, I danced before the Lord. He said, but if you think that's anything, wait till you see what I'm gonna do next. In other words, he's saying, listen, I have found the secret. I have found the cure. I'm gonna get before God and I'm gonna praise him. I'm 
going to dance, I'm going to shout, I'm going to praise, regardless of the rejections, regardless of the pain, regardless of whatever I've been through, I'm going to get before God, I've done it before. So when she said this to him, he understood. You see, David had to carry all of that stuff. She had to carry Uzzah's death. He had to carry all the rejection. He had to carry all of those things. But when he was coming into the city and, and the ark was coming behind him, all he could do, he didn't know what was going to happen next, was he could dance with everything inside of him. He could praise with everything inside of him. You see, the reality is there might be some stuff that you will go through again. You might get rejected again, but you've got a choice right now. Are you gonna praise with all of your heart like David did, regardless of what might happen, regardless of what might happen to you again? Or are you just gonna just do as normal and watch to see, well, hopefully things will go okay. I'm not gonna take and put myself out there all that much again, because just now I get hurt again. No, David said, I'm going to dance. And he danced and he danced and he danced. Then when Mikhail said to him, listen, you know, how could you do that? He said, listen, you don't understand what was going on with me. I'll do that again, but I'll do it even more next time. I'll dance even more next time. I'll praise even more next time with all of my heart. You see, the reality is you might have been rejected. You might have been hurt. You might have been uh, uh, cast out. You might have had some things happen to you, but you have a choice right now. How are you going to respond to that? Are you going to praise? Are you going to shout? Are you going to clap your hands? Are you going to rejoice? Because the presence of the Lord has been made available to you. You have a decision right now to let go of your rejection, to let go of your pain, to let go of your hurt. You have a decision. You have a choice this evening in this place. I believe that God wants to touch some people tonight in this place. He wants to set you free. Hallelujah. But before we do all of that, I want to show you something. Why should you shout? Why should you dance? What have you got to celebrate? Pastor Alex, you don't know how bad it was. You don't know my pain. You don't know my rejection. I understand that. But you must understand that you have been accepted. You have been welcomed. You have been chosen. And it was done at a great price. You see, when we talk about the rejection of Jesus, many times we miss the most important part. You see, we always quote the fact that he was rejected by men. But watch this. Matthew 27, verse 46. While Jesus is hanging on the cross... He cries this out. Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cries out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was rejected by his own father. While he was on that cross, God turned his face away from his son so that there would be a proper exchange, so that you could be accepted into the family of God, that all your rejection, your hurt, and your pain could be removed from you, because Jesus knew what it was like to feel the greatest rejection. Can you imagine knowing the God of the universe is your father, and all of a sudden he turns away from you and you feel alone to the point where you cry out, Lord, Lord, why have you forsaken me? All so that you would not have to feel forsaken. 
all so that you would not have to receive the rejection that the enemy has tried to put in your life. God has a desire to totally set you free tonight. And I want you to fully understand that that is available to you. It's been paid for in full with blood, sweat, and tears. Ephesians 1 verse number 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. Rejected? No. You have been accepted. The word accepted in the Greek means to bestow favor, to be highly favored. You have been accepted. You have been You have been highly favored, you have been chosen by God because of his grace, because of what was done for you on the cross. And it said he has accepted us in the beloved. In other words, listen, you have been accepted. The word beloved in the Greek there, when I was looking at it, there was a Greek word there used, agapimu, agapi, which, is, which, is, which comes from the word agape, which is the greatest love of all, but it really speaks of almost like a, a term that you would, speak, you would say to someone that you love dearly, a child especially. As a child growing up, I would hear, I would hear the parents say to their children, agapimu. They would call their children, agapimu, agapimu, come here, and it speaks of a total love for a child. You you must understand that everything has been paid for you so that you could be a child of God. You have been accepted. You have been called into. And no matter what anybody says about you, no matter what anybody's done, no matter what's happened to you, you don't have to accept that rejection, that hurt, or that pain. You don't have to stay in that place. So there's only one thing left. And the question is this, will you dance like David danced? Will you tonight stand up in this place and let that rejection go? You may not know what's before you. You may not know what it's going to, you may not know if the ark's going to fall again or what's going to happen. But the question is, are you going to be willing to do it? David took the risk of not even looking back, of dancing with all of his heart, of shouting with all of his heart, of letting everything go, letting his pain go. And when he was questioned on it, he said, I'll do it again. And next time I'll do it even more undignified. You have a choice tonight. You can stay seated in your chair and stay right where you are. But tonight I choose to do a little bit of dancing. I choose to do a little bit of jumping. I choose to do a little bit of shouting in this place. Oh! The devil thought he's got you. The devil thought you'd stay stuck. But God wants to take you out tonight. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout. Oh! Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Shout tonight. Dance in this place tonight. Sing to the Lord tonight in this place. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, you'll turn my mourning into dancing, God. You'll turn my pain into healing, God. You'll restore my soul. When I come to you, I am made whole. When I come to you, I am delivered, God. Oh, I'm not going to look back anymore. I'm not going to hear the words they spoke. I'm not going to look at their faces anymore. I'm looking straight ahead. You are my God and my King, and there is none besides you. Hallelujah. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. And I will dance, I will dance, I will dance like David danced. I will dance, I will dance. Like David danced. Come to the front, come to the front, come. Come on, let's praise the Lord. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. And I will dance, I will dance. I will dance like David dance. I will dance. I will dance. I will dance like David dance. Come on. Oh. Yeah. Come on. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the nation say the Lord reigns. Let the let the earth rejoice, let the nation say, the Lord reigns. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the nation say, the Lord reigns. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the nation say, the Lord I will dance, I will dance, I will dance like David did. wonderful that we're dancing and we're clapping but I want you if you're standing here this evening I want you to think about whatever it was that was holding you back whatever somebody said or whatever happened to you I want you to give it to God this evening in this place for the spirit of heaviness the garment of praise utterly destroys it removes it so whatever it is that the enemy thought he could bring upon your life to stop you from walking in the fullness of what God has for you tonight, let it go in this place. Listen, you can't be standing in the front here like this. It doesn't work. Come on. You've got to praise God tonight. 
Come on, David said, listen, David said, I will be even more undignified. That means that when he danced, he really danced. And he didn't do it because he was trying to make a scene. It was because what was going on on the inside of him was inexplainable. Because he was dancing all the things off him. He was praising with all of his might. He was giving it all to the Lord. Now, don't hurt anybody. But for goodness sake, the presence of God is in this place this evening. Take this opportunity right now in this house. Whether you're in the front or in your seat, let it go tonight. Let it go. Say to the Lord, I let it go. I choose you. I am accepted. I am accepted. Come on, everybody say, I am accepted. I am a child of God. I belong to Jesus. Now everybody say, devil, take your hands off me. I am belong to Jesus. Now let's give the Lord some praise. Come on. Bless the Lord. We lift up our hands in the sanctuary. 
thank you this evening thank you for your healing Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you that you chose us. Thank you that you love us. Come on, guys. something very intimate now just intimate slow just come down now that's it just intimate now very intimate come on guys I pray that we will never look back for you chose us Lord when others looked and just saw a little shepherd boy in the tending the sheep you saw a king I know in this room Father and even watching online there are many that have felt that pain of rejection but did you not call us to be kings and priests unto our God we will rule with you, but we also get to worship you, God. We get to bring our sacrifices of praise and worship and thanksgiving before you. The saints of old desired it so much, but we have the privilege of being able to come to you. I ask, Holy Spirit, that tonight in this place you will heal broken hearts, that you will restore touch, deliver, set free, God. And that the heaviness is gone. And we are so grateful. And that's why we choose to worship you even in the midst of our praise. We choose to worship you.
Come on, let's just sing. I love you, Lord. And I your hands to heaven oh we're so grateful God we're so thankful Lord let us be like David was who know Lord even in the midst of whatever we're going through to always give thanks to approach you with gratitude we honor you and worship you in this place we thank you for your presence in this place this evening Lord Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us right now. Thank you for touching so many tonight, God. We give you all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I pray that you will leave here tonight never the same as you came in. And remember, don't listen to what some say. Only worry about what he says. So I release you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you go with his favor and with his blessing upon you. May the peace of God be your portion in this night. And we'll see you tomorrow in the name of Jesus. Amen.